Hello lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, and we are back once again here on the Outsports Radio Network for another week of awesome wrestling conversation with awesome queer wrestling people. Um, and this week, it's all about Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, we had an awesome weekend of New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, with two nights in the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom 14, um, headlined by the Double Gold Dash Tournament, where we saw Tetsuya Naito become the first ever double champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling history, um, as well as a stellar junior heavyweight championship match between Will Ospreay and Hiromu Takahashi. Um, but outside of that, like, you also had like Jushin Under Liger's retirement. You saw a hard-hitting match between Hiroki Goto and Kenta. Just too many things to name right now. Um, and because of that overabundance, that 12 hours of wrestling that I watched this weekend, more than 12 hours, um, uh, it felt like we needed a couple of extra hands to to talk through everything and work through everything so today uh, this week's guests uh returning rachel giuliani um who was there came on the show uh, to discuss uh, king of pro wrestling back in october um and uh, a new guest to the show that i'm super excited to have on uh, ck stewart uh, he is an awesome uh, wrestling writer a comics writer, um, and you know we have a common thread going back to uh, our days at uh, Pace Magazine. So it's awesome to have CK and Rachel on to work through the show. Um, it's a long conversation <laughs> for a long weekend, so we'll we'll get to the, to our chat uh, very very shortly here I don't want to delay getting there but I do have to say one thing real quick um, the news about Mercedes Martinez that came out yesterday uh, after we recorded our conversation about Wrestle Kingdom is awesome to hear congratulations to Mercedes Martinez for those that haven't heard or read uh, reportedly she has signed a contract with the WWE um, and we'll be starting down there soon, which is awesome to hear. She has basically been women's independent pro wrestling for the past nearly 20 years. Um, and honestly, in that time, she's kind of transcended women's pro wrestling, ind- women's independent pro wrestling to just be a major fixture and a legend of independent pro wrestling as a whole. So WWE is getting a ring general in Mercedes Martinez, and I cannot wait to see what she does for them down there. Hopefully, hopefully good things, but you never really know. I mean, it's hard to trust WWE sometimes, but there's the, the talent is there, the knowledge is there, and, and congratulations to uh, to Mercedes Martinez. Real quick before we get to uh, our little roundtable on Wrestle Kingdom, I do want to apologize a little bit for some of the audio quality of this week's show. Um, I am a little peek behind the curtain. I'm currently in the process of moving apartments. (laughs) 
So I don't have my normal setup and my normal uh, what have you at the uh, for this week. So um, yeah, it's a little patchwork. There's a little bit of um, a little bit of issues here and there, but for the most part, everything hopefully sounds good to everyone. And regardless, I think that our our discussion is a uh, pretty informative and pretty fun. So enjoy the Wrestle Kingdom discussion. What's up, guys, guys, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the ring. And this week, um, there's only one thing on the tips of all of the wrestling fans' tongues, queer or otherwise. Let's We have to talk Wrestle Kingdom 14 because, dear Jesus, we just got an entire weekend of the probably one of the best Japanese wrestling... <laughs> Fuck it, not Japanese wrestling shows, pro wrestling shows of the generation over this past weekend. And we got like literally like what what would what would you say? Like somewhere between twelve to fifteen hours worth of it. Um yeah, we got a ton of, of wrestling to unpack here and and three nights, including New Year's Dash to to roll over here. And to do that, with so much on the plate, I had to bring in some extra hands. Of course, our resident New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, I guess, an analyst, talky person, uh, Rachel Giuliani is back on the show. Um, once again, how are you doing tonight, Rachel? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited to be here. And, you know, I always like to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, so oh. glad to do it. Yes, yes, and we're very <laughs> glad to have you to talk New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Thank you. Of course. Enjoying the show for the first time, um, another awesome uh, wrestling fan, but also a wrestling writer, um, one C.K. Stewart. He has written about comics, wrestling, and wrestling comics for Newsarama, CBR, and uh, fellow Pace Magazine alum right here. Uh, C.K., how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, Brian. Thank you so much. Pace wrestling forever. Pace wrestling for life. Hashtag pace wrestling for life. That's right. That me and you only <laughs> hashtag users for that one going forward. We'll get everybody on board. So yes, um, we have two awesome nights from the Tokyo Dome, and then another awesome night from the Ota Gymnasium to unpack here. Um, before we get into the real nitty-gritty of these shows, there are a ton of moments, a lot of great matches to unpack um, going forward. I just want to get like everyone's kind of overall feeling about coming out of the weekend. Um, did Wrestle Kingdom 14 live up to expectations? Um, what were your general takeaways? Like, How did you feel after watching um, basically about what amounted to more than half of a day? of uh pro wrestling <laughs> very good <laughs> I, that's, i'll say that uh, i i mean the, it was interesting because they kind of ne by necessity had to do like uh the tag matches that they normally do you know in a road two show or like the early in the card tag matches the preview tag matches and stuff which is normally not happening at wrestle kingdom right like normally it's all big ticket matches like title matches or big name specials singles matches or things like that right um but i 
I didn't hate it. Like I heard, I saw people on the internet talking about like, like kind of dunking on that. And I thought it was great. I, I loved it, but perhaps I'm just easy to please. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Honestly, I think this is probably, so I'm relatively speaking <sighs> new to wrestling. Um, and I, I don't, my sense of time is totally skewed, so I couldn't do the math if somebody asked me. I think it's four years. So this is either the second or the third Wrestling Kingdom that I've watched live slash somewhat live. Um, so for me, there's not a lot of context for like the different schedule beyond knowing that now it's two nights. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was super exciting. I'm really excited to see what's happening moving forward. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I've been riding that high for like however days. It's been like three days. <laughs> Basically, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I think I share some similar feelings uh, to both of y'all. Like, I I will admit when I saw that we were getting eight man tags on the first night, I just thought like I, I get why they're doing it because I mean, there's you're obviously you're setting up for night two with you know Zach and Sonata and goto and kenta um but also it just felt odd to have eight man tags at the beginning of a wrestle kingdom card it just didn't feel right until you actually got into the nitty-gritty of it and the matches themselves were you know they were okay they they ate up a good chunk of the first hour like they were fine there nothing too exciting but nothing bad and they got their their jobs done in in hyping up the matches for night two but most notably they did not take away from the highlights of night one which i i think we can all agree the 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 major highlights from that show would be the the junior heavyweight title match between will osprey and a returning hiromu takahashi and uh the main event uh iwgb heavyweight championship matchup between kazuchika okada and kota abushi um, I, 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 I do not have words to describe how awesome both of those matches were, um, for entirely different reasons, um, in, in many ways. Um, I guess before we get into some of the, the, the cards and some of the matches proper, like what matches from, I guess from both, from each night stood out to you as, as major highlights overall, like personally, I mean, you're definitely right about the first two you said. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be hard to deny both of those matches. Obviously, um, Liger's retirement match on the second night um, was very emotional and um, just really, I liked the pace of it. I mean, it like it was what it was. Liger and his partner, whose name I can't remember. Uh, Sano. Sorry, Sano, right. Okay. You know, they're kind of slower, right? Um, and so it wasn't like amazing acrobatics or anything like that, but it was really emotional and they, they did it really well. Um, and I loved the, the like two team teams of rivals, um, like coming together for this. Um, so that was, that was really wonderful. I thought, um, I actually, uh, loved the match, the, Jay White and Kota Ibushi match 
because I primarily watch wrestling for the drama. And so I just, <laughs> I, I love like shitty Jay White and Gato, like going all out to do ev- like, you know, every trick in the book. I, I thought that was like, I mean, it's, you know, you get mad and everything, but that's how you're supposed to feel. Uh, I love, I love seeing villains be super horrible and villainous. So I liked that. There's no one in pro wrestling doing a better shit heel job than Jay White right now. Absolutely, <laughs> totally. He is the worst and like the best at being the worst. Yes, completely agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, CK, what what stood out to you? Um, now a lot of the similar matches for the same regions. I. Um, cried a little bit during both Liger matches, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, especially I the second did. one. Yeah, I think especially. Um, I mean, it's so like, the the finish of the final Liger match on night two, like having, um, like seeing Hiromu pin <laughs> Liger, is. Like, oh, that's such a difficult moment to process because, I mean, you're watching as a wrestling fan and you're, like, consumed with the sadness that Liger's, this is his last match. It's over. And Hiromu has, like, prevented him from winning his last match in the Tokyo Dome. And at the same time, as someone who is just, I mean, excited to see Hiromu return, obviously, and excited to see what happens moving forward and as a person who's thinking about it in terms of like well like what am I going to have to talk about online this week um you know it's there always are not important a lot of right like well there are just not a lot of you know I think about you think about a similar match happening um particularly in a lot of American promotions um not just WWE but like the goal of those matches, especially these days, is not necessarily um, to like elevate another person in the match. It's this is your last match, and we want it to be a good match, and we want everybody to come away feeling good. Mm-hmm. And you come away from that match, like reflecting on the totality of Liger's career, but also like, oh man, like <laughs> Rome is the worst. Like. What has he done? He's taken this moment from Jushin Thunder Liger. Well, I mean, so the thing that I found really emotional about it was that the tradition is, right, like outside of kayfabe, the tradition is you go out on your back, right? When you retire, the you lose your last match. That's like in wrestling. The way, like... uh the Undertaker's most recent retirement, <laughs> for example, I think it was his most recent retirement match against Roman Reigns. Uh, he lost, right? Um, uh, and, that, he lost that one. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, he has since not. Right. Yeah. Uh, he truly is a living dead man. Um, Pretty but, much. But what was really emotional about it for me is like, I know Liger's going to lose this match. Right. Like at least as a person who has like done enough, like dorky reading about wrestling, I know Liger's losing this match going in. Um, but still like, I still got into it. I still was like, come on, <laughs> you can do it. Um, and, uh, and the part that made me really emotional was uh, it was very clear 
that Liger handpicked Hiromu to be the one to retire him. And I don't like know a ton of insider industry stuff, but I have to imagine that is a huge honor to like be the person to do your finisher on like legendary of legendary wrestlers um, and be the one to, to finish him and like end his career. Not really, but you know, um, to be the last one, like, that's what got me really emotional was like you could see as Hiromu went to do the time bomb. Um, is it called time bomb or ticking time bomb? Time bomb. Time right? bomb. Yeah, yeah, you could see. And... Yeah. You could see as he did it, he was he was emotional. Like he could feel like the sort of gravity of that moment. Uh, and that got me really like that got me. <laughs> No, I mean, and the point you bring up that does make sense. Like, it, I think that let me let's let's be fair. Like, it, I think anybody going into that match had had a feeling that Liger was going to be eating the pinfall there. Right. Um, that's just what what happens at the end of a wrestler's career. And and even if it, even if someone had tried to push for Liger to win that match, I think that knowing Liger's personality and how his approach to booking. Because you got to remember, Liger, he, he booked the junior heavyweights for a long time. So he right. has a very great booking mind as well. There's no way he would have put himself as the winner of, of that match. There's no way he would have. Yeah, he would never have allowed himself on uh, his last match to pin Hiromu, who is basically set up to be, you know, maybe not the new Liger, but definitely the new face of the junior heavyweight division. And certainly forward. with Liger choosing him to be the one to retire him, that is a huge, like, coronation of of Hiromu um you know like and and even like the the New Year's Dash they did his retirement ceremony first and on English commentary they said that that they wanted to do it at the end of the match but Liger felt that the end of the the end of the show stuff should be for the current wrestlers and not focus on him so he definitely wouldn't have I think he wouldn't have let it end any other way no I I, I definitely feel the same way there ck um how, how did you feel see, like seeing the uh, seeing the 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 last bits of uh of Liger's career there and, and seeing how everything kind of came to one final impact and i think especially especially going back to um as rachel mentioned the undertaker uh, in the context of the few and not, uh, I think, particularly uplifting retirements slash attempts at retirement, retirements that I've experienced in my time watching wrestling, it was really emotional, obviously, but it's also nice to see someone say, like, this is the end. I want to go out on my terms. I want to go out while I'm capable of doing that I want to wrap this up. Um, and to see people really, uh, not to see people sad, but to see people who are emotional because uh, someone is stepping away from the ring, but happy because they've had the opportunity to do that on their own terms in a way that they're obviously really fulfilled by and satisfied with. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a mixed bag. I was really excited. Um, 
to get to watch these last matches, you know, it's um, exciting to see. It's exciting to see Hiromu being put in that position. But yeah, it is really emotional. Um, you know, next Wrestle Kingdom, I won't see Jushin Thunder Liger. Like, we won't get that again. Um, so it's tough to think about, but also nice. I mean, it's when people have the opportunity to make those decisions on their own terms um, for reasons that aren't anything more than I've done this for a really long time and I don't want to do it anymore. Um, that's nice. Like a lot of people don't get to make that choice. So it's, it's refreshing to be able to see someone make that choice in real time. Yeah. And, and honestly, there's in terms of wrestling retirements, I, I haven't seen uh, honestly, the only other one that I think, ranks up there emotionally would be you know the way that wwe pulled off rick flair's back at wrestlemania 24 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that one definitely was a heartstring tugger but liger's i think liger's tops it I, after seeing this weekend seeing the ceremony seeing tanahashi dear god <laughs> okay. Tana, tearful tanahashi might I've... be one of the most like saddest but also like uplifting and emotionally vindicating things i've ever seen in my life yeah he lost it i felt so bad that they put the camera on him they were just like make sure you see tanahashi just like ugly crying (laughs) (laughs) for several seconds yes (laughs) i mean i'm sure i guess it comes with the territory but (laughs) it's like i'll take the camera off of him No, like, I, I think that the, the, the entire weekend was a celebration of, of Liger and and of, there's not a, a, a better man that you could have that celebration for in terms sure. of what someone has done for New Japan Pro Wrestling to this point. The fact that they even were able to get Antonio Inoki to, to record a video message for him, that, like, that was crazy to see. Yeah, that yeah, was so. a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Bon Voyage Liger, you know, well, hopefully we'll see you on commentary here and there. Hope it won't be the last time we we'll see you around a ring, even though you're not going to be competing in one. Um, and also a quick shout out to Great Sasuke for just still being a ridiculous <sighs> daredevil, whatever the <laughs> hell, out of his fucking mind, dude, in his mid-50s. I have no amazing. idea how that dude is still walking. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing to see him, like just being also a relatively new wrestling fan and just knowing like the he's one of those people as so many people in that first night match were just people that whose names you hear like in the pantheon of Japanese wrestling like people who are spoken of in these like very reverent tones and like to see them all there it was really crazy and to see that he could still do things (laughs) I never I did not expect that no, I I don't think many people expected to see as much as they did from some of those guys. Even though most of like all of them are still actively competitive competing, I think except for maybe food um, Fujinami. I don't think Fujinami is regularly competing anymore. But still, like sixty six years old, he's out there just dragging sleeper in motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> so obviously there there are some matches that we are definitely going to talk more in length about like osprey hiromu um i'd say probably the entire double gold dash tournament as a whole um but 
real quick, I kind of want each of us to pick one match from either night that maybe wasn't at like the top highlight level. Um, and that, that really spoke to us and like some that, that, that we really wanted to highlight from the shows for me personally, the, the one uh, outside, it was a tough choice between the, the Goto and Kenta match from night two, just because I don't believe either of them could hit anyone any harder than they did in the last five minutes of that match. But um, Lance Archer and John Moxley, yeah, the Texas Death Match from the first night. This might just speak to me growing up as like somewhat of an ECW kid who just loves seeing a good, well thought out plunder match. But that was one of the better like hardcore matches that I had seen in a long time, and a complete um outlier for what new japan tries to do most of the time um but for a u.s title match it felt right and you had the two guys in the ring that could pull off that match well you know and a completely unleashed john moxley broken away from the dean ambrose character broken away from his this year has been such a renaissance for him and and seeing him come in and work with another man who has had a complete career renaissance this year in Lance Archer. Totally. Good point. Yeah. Like (laughs) just seeing both of those guys pull out, pull out all the stops for what they wanted to do with that and actually utilize Japanese tables in a effective fashion as opposed to (laughs) everyone else who has ever used a Japanese table in a wrestling match, Uh including Kenny Omega. Um, Like, I don't know. That match just spoke to me. Like it got my blood running like hardcore. Um, I, I'm just curious, uh, y'all's thoughts on that match. I, I'll shoot over to, to CK. I'm, I'm curious what you thought of that one. Yeah, that match was amazing. Um, as somebody who spent several hundred dollars on uh, a commission of Dean Ambrose as Midnighter for uh, Anka, um I really love John Moxley. So I was super pumped to um cd is going to have a death match against uh lance archer in particular who i've gotten a lot more into this year um and yeah like you said it was really good it was super unexpected but i think um with those two guys in particular like part of it to me is what else are you going to do i think that if you had tried to put them in just kind of a standard championship match it probably still would have been really good but um yeah it was exciting to have New Japan say, like, we know what you want to do, and so you should just do that. <laughs> like, just do that thing that you want to do, and I'm sure it'll be great. And it was. Um, so, despite being a fan of pro wrestling, I actually, like, don't like violence. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really... I like pro wrestling because I love the drama of combat sports, but I don't actually enjoy watching people get hurt. I'm very, like sensitive about it i don't want to see people get hurt so i normally don't like like hardcore matches and weapons matches and things like where the where the basically the point of it is to draw blood um and i that's what i went into this expecting but it actually wasn't i mean there was blood of course but like there actually wasn't like that it was just like i was surprised at how swept up i got in it um but it's because they both they just both like um, they both have characters who just like have this passion for violence. Um, and it was kind of like, they do it so well that it was sort of like, 
I just love watching somebody do what they're really passionate about. <laughs> you know, like just love watching a guy cut another guy's forehead with, you know, like <laughs> that's just what speaks to him in the world, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I, I really didn't expect to like it and really did. Yeah, I shout out real quick to the inventiveness of that match. Uh, the fact that Lance <laughs> Archer used a young lion as a weapon, as a projectile. Are we allowed to? Are we allowed to cuss? Oh yeah, you can cuss all you want. Oh great, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite moments because one of my favorite things in wrestling is when a big motherfucker throws another motherfucker into a third large motherfucker. So yes, <laughs> it's very exciting. It just feels um, like Suzuki Gun is like their. That's their one of their things that they're known for is just like abusing young lions. So it feels like <laughs> the the ascension of the of the Suzuki Gun ethos of like just actually just use them as an object. <laughs> yes, it fit in perfectly. Um, and like honestly, the, that and then the moment where like Archer was going for his rope walk and clearly slipped. I, I'm sure. I, oh God, I'm, yeah. And this like Moxley covering it up perfectly by just kendo sticking the hell out of him. Like, mm-hmm. obviously I don't like seeing people like, I don't like headshots. Like that stuff like always just like makes me wince. Like, ugh. but like it was a perfect on the fly thought to like cover up uh, a fuck up, you know? And like, I think that that, was, that really spoke to me just like watching like the little inner workings of the match itself. Just like, Oh no, these, these dudes just know every nook and cranny of what to do. With the, with these sort yeah. of matches, so I don't know. That one really spoke to me. Um, CK, was there a specific match outside of um, the the junior heavyweight match and the double gold dash uh, matches that that stood out to you? Uh, this is a really good question because I was thinking about this and I was gonna say heavyweight, but there was the double gold dash. Um, I really like, I think this is really consistent for me, but I always really enjoy uh, this pre-show match. But the Young Lions matches, I really liked the Tokyo Dojo versus the LA Dojo match at the start. Um, Part of that is because I saw Carl Fredericks live in Philadelphia, and I just think he's, like, great. (laughs) I just think he's extremely talented, and he's going to do really well for himself. And also, he is very handsome. So congratulations yes. to him for that. Yeah, he's very handsome. Um, I saw him and I was like, oh no, he's <laughs> <laughs> It's like great work. Like you really I'm, did I'm well like for yourself. old, so I try not to thirst after the young lions. And so I'm very like appreciating him aesthetically, but I keep seeing him going like, oh, I really did not want to think about how handsome you are. <laughs> like no, he was really convenient. cute. He was also he was very nice. He was very nice to us when we asked for photos afterwards. Um which Aww. is always very nice as well. When people are nice, that's nice. Um <laughs> but it's just I don't know. I love that. I just like seeing I mean part of it is I feel like when you're watching the young lions matches, you're just watching people figure themselves out to a degree. I mean obviously these are folks who are well trained um and are experienced wrestlers but also i mean you're a young lion like that's your identity you're a young lion um until you get into a wrestling ring at which point like 
you become a full person. You get to be the wrestler that you want to be once you have like gone on an excursion um, and are able to like move out of that. Um, so yeah, I had a super great time with that match. I thought it was a really great way to like get everybody pumped up. It was super fun. I'm still thinking about it. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. The Young Lions matches are really the unsung heroes of some of the 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 early cards for each fan shows like totally like i think especially like that match is like i I, i'll be i'll be frank like i watched that match with the sound off because i was um in the middle of trying to situate some other stuff while getting ready to watch the show but even watching that match with the sound off like you could still feel the emotion coming through that like you could still like you still got like the the seeing people kind of craft like you said ck like who they are in the ring in a lot of ways and it's a very interesting watching the dynamic between the la dojo crew and the tokyo dojo crew yeah the story that they've told there is just really cool like that there's this rivalry that they have and it's like they're all under the same umbrella so they it's it's fun that they found a way to like tell some kind of story that has some kind of conflict even though like they're all young lions and their their thing is like they're kind of supposed to be not super in character or anything but um they they did great and they have done that story like throughout the year of the LA Jojo versus like it was there for the young lions cup and everything and like they've which our boy Carl Fredericks won um just saying that um yes (laughs) so it's cool that they that they keep that alive and that they for the very first match on the card with the trainees they still had a good story that compels you and brings you in no i i that like that rivalry has been awesome to watch like it's it's kind of reinvigorated the young lions cup in a lot of ways for me like that's that's always been shows that i could like where like I would, I would like to watch them, but also their sides. Like if I miss one, like I'm not gonna like feel terrible at times in past years. But like this year, like that little injection of storyline has been awesome to kind of hold the interest for those matches, and then even just seeing the difference in personality between the two groups. Like the LA Dojo crew just seems to be a lot more outspoken, a little bit more cocky. Carl Fredericks, in particular. Um, there's just like a certain swagger there that compared to the Tokyo Dojo crew where they're just very like much more, I mean, let's face it. It's a difference between like um, uh, American wrestling and, and Japanese wrestling. It definitely in terms of personality, like there's a, a definite split in how they either view themselves or how they're like composing themselves in the ring. And Which is, this, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's just great in front of a Japanese crowd because it gives the, it gives the American wrestlers like, oh, like that they were playing up the cockiness and the like showmanship and stuff. And like, so even though the young lions don't normally do like the traditional heel face stuff and they don't do a ton of, of character work like you still got that like they're playing up the like american brazen asshole sort of thing uh for the tokyo dome crowd which i thought was like very cool and made me happy for them. yeah shout out to yoda suji for uh for attacking the, the <laughs> crew after their loss at new year's dash also 
just like I love seeing Suji boil over, like seeing like Goofy Suji during the pre-show like, like skit with Honma and Taguchi, and then compare that <laughs> in-ring Suji where he's just like I just want to pinch his cheeks while he's trying to like, uh, like fire up. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. Um, so Rachel, I will pose the same question to you. Outside of uh, Osprey Takahashi and the Double Gold Dash, what match stood out to you the most? Uh, well, this is maybe kind of cheating because I feel like spiritually this match belongs in that group. Um, mm -hmm. But I did not expect to love the Jericho and Tanahashi match as much oh as I did. Oh my god, yes. Um, and like that was, I mean, it was like the semi-main event the second night, so kind of doesn't count as like a you know, undercard match. Um, but it certainly wasn't part of the main storyline of the company, right? It was just this random, like, how Chris Jericho often just randomly appears in New Japan and then we have to deal with him. Um, and because of that, I, like, have never... I've never really, like, connected with him being, like there like, i was like okay you're just showing up whatever uh and and also like you know now i now i personally don't really like him either um yeah yeah um and and honestly like it's been really hard to watch tana over the time even over the time that i have been a fan slow down and stiffen up it's been noticeable in the three years that I've been a fan. Um, and so, it, and it's hard to watch because you love him so much and you know how much it means to him to be able to go still. Um, and so I wondered how that was going to play out just because he often kind of, um, he can sometimes look outclassed a little bit by the, uh, the younger wrestlers who are at the, the top you know um when he because he's been injured so many times and he's just like getting older maybe i maybe that's like a, a forbidden thing to even acknowledge um i mean i don't necessarily think it's a forbidden thing to acknowledge i mean it's noticeable and you know i think that a lot of like last year's go storyline going into wrestle kingdom was you know tanahashi basically like his last gasp like his last right. chance at, at a main event in in tokyo dome i don't yeah. know if it'll be his last main event in tokyo dome but that was the storyline around it right and like you see you hear so much about him behind the scenes of like how much he is you know having trouble getting around like and like how how his body has broken down on him but i mean the dude carried this company for over a decade like oh, without right. tanahashi there is no new japan pro wrestling in 2019 2020 right. Right. you know so i would deny I, that and i still love watching him uh um, yeah but it has been noticeable to see him slow down and so i i have been uh, like wondering like if 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 that would come out in this but it totally didn't their styles went so well together um and they're kind of at the same point in their careers uh where they're where they're kind of like you know uh, having a bit of a of a renaissance and still being booked at at the top but obviously slowing down obviously not able to do all of the stuff that they used to do um and i just like they clearly we're having so much fun. Um, and 
I just like did not expect them to have such chemistry. Um, but they, it, it just was so clear. Um, and I didn't think it took away from the match. Like obviously like Jericho was still healing and Tano was still being shiny golden God. And, uh, but they were just enjoying the shit out of each other. <laughs> and I always love to, to see that. Um, or at least that's, that's the sense I got. They just loved competing with each other. So I, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. I'm curious to get your take on, on that match, CK. <laughs> uh, I always have really mixed feelings about anything involving Jericho, partly because I've kind of... Chris Jericho as a wrestler is so much about what I what draws me into wrestling. Like, like Dirtbag really is like the pinnacle of what I'm into in terms of wrestling. Yeah. Um, and for his entire career, like even a lot of times as FAC has encapsulated that so well. Um, but I think after, I don't know, after a certain point, I think part of it, it's just the the podcast sometimes becomes sort of a parody of itself. Um, like his podcast. Yeah, yeah. we talked and about it last time. We talked about it the last time. Yeah, on like the show we were like, yeah, he had Donald Trump Jr. on there, and that's kind of like someone who's like kind of oh, an accessory yeah. to crimes against humanity. So no, like, um, yeah. On so the level, I've fully moved on. Um, as a wrestler, I'm kind of like I don't. You know, there are times when it's just like, oh, like, I, I don't want this anymore. Like, I want to go. But um, there are, when he understands, I mean, he is very smart as a wrestler. Like, he is an exceptional wrestler. And he has such a great understanding of the situations that he's going into and how to be great in those situations with another person. Like, he's, he's just very good at that. Um, and so when I heard that the match was happening, it was kind of like, oh, I love Tanahashi so much. And I just don't want to see, like, sad old crow Chris Jericho <laughs> wrestle Tanahashi. Um, but I did, and it was very good. And I think because both of them were very obviously enjoying, them spell, enjoying themselves, um, especially Tanahashi with the fuzzy. Promo, so so good, so good. (laughs) Like, like that on its own, and the joy, like the the clear excitement on his face for everything that was happening, got me really invested in the idea of this match. Like, so much of it for me is just like, are the people who are wrestling each other having a good time doing this? And if it's clear that they are, um. It just gets so much easier, regardless of who's in the ring, to a point, um, to get invested in the match. I mean, it's so much easier to say, well, like, like they're having fun, and I understand the story, and so, yeah, like, I can have a good time with this. I know what's happening, and it, it was a great match. It was excellent. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a sleeper match. I, I was not enthused going in. Um <laughs> But left very enthused. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of emotional a little bit too, to me anyway, because these guys are people who have done everything and seen everything, and it is like impossible to overstate their value to wrestling. Um, 
you know, like how legendary they are. Um, and so you even like last year, Tana main event to the Tokyo Dome and you could see like he, of course, always enjoys himself, but like he was at work um, <laughs> and and he that was like a really technical match for him. And he had to do a lot of like he had to really get there. But like to see both of them just like delighted, <laughs> despite all that they've done in their career, despite all that they mean to to pro wrestling, <laughs> to see them both just being like this asshole. <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. <laughs> No, I, I love seeing two seasoned veterans who know exactly what they're doing, just goofing off with one another. The fact that Jericho, I'm I'm convinced that he purposefully failed at air guitaring just to incite people that were watching that match. Just like the shittiest air guitar I've ever seen. <laughs> like that had to be on purpose. <laughs> he knows how to heal. Like he's so good at it. Yes. Um, and, and like, the true purpose of a heel is, or I mean, one of the true purposes of a heel is to make the face look like a hero, and and to 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 do that at your own expense and not be too cool to do that at your own expense. And he has always been good at not being too cool to be the heel at the expense of his own coolness, you know. Um, and so I think you're totally right. Like he totally knows exactly what to do. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, his entire AEW run has basically been him making a goofball of himself, except in the ring. Like, that's basically, yeah, like, every promo that he has is just him, like, like just not taking himself seriously at all and just being the quintessential, like, going back to even, like, like 70s, 80s era Memphis-style heel, you know, mm. just, like, not caring about getting himself over because he knows that he's over in, in that way, so... No, like I like like both of y'all said, like complications dealing with him outside <laughs> of the ring, definitely, but inside of the ring, like him, I could watch him and Tanahashi go once again very, very easily. Mm -hmm. I would I would welcome that match a lot. Um, so I guess since we we've, we've run through some some other highlights there, um, let's let's get into like the the meat of of these shows, starting off with, um. Hiromu and Will Ospreay. Um, this was Hiromu Takahashi's first singles match back in a New Japan ring since breaking his neck over about a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago, um, against uh, Ryuli. And I have to say, like I know the last time you were on Rachel, we talked about you know his return at King of Pro Wrestling and mm -hmm. how he basically was like throwing himself into barricades and you know showing that he is not changing his style at all. Mm -hmm. And any any other people that were holding out on that, like they had those hopes go out the window in this match. Um, Hiromu Takahashi is Hiromu Takahashi through and through. He is the ticking time bomb for better or worse. And he is going to wrestle like the taking time bomb for better or worse. And for this night, it was for the better. This match was outstanding. I can't, it was an athletic display, unlike anything that I have seen in New Japan. Um, both Osprey and Takahashi were on another level um, in this match in terms of some of the spots that were pulling off, um, some of the counters that were pulling off there. Um, I'm curious, like, what were um, your overall thoughts? Let's start with, with Rachel here. What were, what were your um, thoughts 
from coming out of that match? I was just like, I was just so happy. Like, not even that um, Hiromu won. Like, I kind of felt like that was telegraphed. Like, it was there was nothing else that was going to happen in my mind um, because of like the story leading up to it. Like, they had him lose at the at the Road to Tokyo Dome shows, and they had Will start healing in this way that like Will is never convincing as a heel. <laughs> but they had Will like start being like shitty and too cocky and like saying like Hiromu better bring it. You know, like. So to me, that made it clear, like, okay, Hiram was going to win this. And so I would have been surprised if he didn't. But I just felt like every time I watch any of them, but especially those two, it's just like, God, New Japan's junior division is so good. Um, and those two being at the top of it and being like the, the, the heart of the junior division is so appropriate and perfect and having Hiromu return in that fashion um and face uh Will Ospreay like I think we all want the emotional uh kind of like closure of him facing Ryu Lee again um but I don't know that having him do that as his return match would have been uh exactly the payoff that we were looking for I don't know um just I I just love the New Japan junior division like I, it's so mind-bogglingly good and they exemplified it and as usual proved why New Japan's junior division belongs at the top of cards and are the best wrestlers in the world. Love them. Also, I like was watching by myself and I I like stood up. I never do this. Like I'm what I'm usually like in bed with my cat. And so like I, I but I like actually like stood up and like was like in <laughs> uh when Will did two Sasuke specials in like oh, 15 God, yeah. seconds. What like I uh, like they both did amazing incredible spots, but I think it's probably because the great Sasuke was there. Um Will does Sasuke special and it's like one of my favorite moves, but he did too and I timed it later within 15 seconds. <laughs> and I just lost my mind at that. That was probably the most, maybe the most I lost my mind of many times in <laughs> like watching all of Wrestle Kingdom was that spot. I mean, that's a good reason. I mean, that 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 spot, I think, is pr- probably the one that coming out of at least night one, if not the entire weekend, that most, most people are talking about um, from that match and from the weekend as a whole in a lot of ways. Like, that's the, the acrobatics of like him constantly landing on his feet, constantly countering Hiromu, and then finally hitting that second um, space flying tiger drop, like... Just out. I I do not know how they make their bodies do that sort of thing in that in that kind of speed. Like it just blows my mind. It's, yeah, it's not of this world. And there's so many like that brought out the like the Jim Cornettes and the haters and the like. Is this really wrestling? They're doing flips, sort of people. Um, and I like I kind of get I guess why they feel that way. I guess, but it to me. Yes, it is really wrestling, and it's awesome. Like, the point of wrestling is to, like, just, like, have feelings about dudes doing things and, like, like in in the wrestling ring. And what that is can be so many different things, like, has been so many different things over history. So the hatred for, for flippy guys, I don't, I don't like. And I, it, it's not in my personal canon of, like, reactions to this. <laughs>
No, I'm right there with you. CK, um, any hatred for the Flippy Guys? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I love Flippy Guys. I love um, my Flippy Doos as permanent uh, wrestling analyst on Twitter, Joanna Graham, has said before. Um, I love the Flippy Doos. I love the Flippy Guys. This match was incredible. I think um, it's just kind of the perfect combination of... The emotion of seeing um, Hiromi back in singles action again, but also seeing him back in singles action against somebody um, as perfectly hateable as Will Ospreay. His whole essence is just so incredibly above it all and just inherently disrespectful to anybody that's not him like that's the thing it's like if he's wrestling if he's wrestling against you you're just never as good as will osprey and so like you want to see Hiromu back and you want to see him successful again and it's just elevated so much by giving him the opportunity to be like no like nothing nothing can stop me there's nothing on this earth not injury not you, not me, not anything on this earth that can stop me from wrestling and that can stop me from beating you. And then going, and then like, that match on top of having him go on to pin Liger said so much about like him as a person and as a character. And yeah, I I really loved it. It was very emotional. Um, and cuddled my little Daryl as I watched. <laughs> Uh, and Will before, like Will was probably like the best wrestler in the world in 2019. Like, I mean, I, I know that like there are plenty of reasons to like kind of not like Will Osprey the person, but like him as a wrestler, I, it's hard for me to even think of anyone who was in his league in 2019. And so to have Hiromu beat him was so awesome. Like it made Hiromu look so strong. Um, and so cool and like yes I'm back yes I fucking beat Will Ospreay and then retired Liger the next night so cool That's, it's what he deserves Hiromu <laughs> no, I, like, that match was just blow away it was just so so fantastic and even from like the very first moment like as soon as both of those dudes came we need to talk about we need to talk about entrance attire real quick oh. we need to talk about looks <laughs> holy yes. shit Many were served on this oh. weekend. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Hiromu Takahashi's like peacock technicolor neon just fucking paint drip motif that he threw out there coupled with Will Ospreay's like snow leopard saber tooth tiger shoulder pad like get up just like dear god like I, I saw plenty of other people in the wrestling uh, journalism sphere being like what the hell are these two dudes doing I'm like y'all shut the fuck up like, like why do you even watch wrestling if you don't think that's awesome yes like, <laughs> these are not atrocities these are fucking statements and they are landing holy shit yeah I don't understand how you could watch like the history of wrestling period and look at those outfits and be like, no, this is too much. You've gone too far. And Ric Flair has 8,000 custom robes, and so does his daughter, and they all look the same. Charlotte's are good. Ricks were good for a time. But, like, that's the point of wrestling, is to go, like, that is that is the thing. It is 
the artfulness of these looks and how you embody yourselves in these costumes. Yeah, I don't, anybody, anybody who says those looks were too much is wrong. And people are entitled to their opinions, but sometimes opinions are bad. <laughs> we, we, the, we, the queers have decided. Yes. I, I'm, I don't mean to assume, but since we're all in this LGBT in the ring podcast, I'm just going to go. <laughs> uh, I, I'll second that. <laughs> a little it's a little you know expected but whatever of course we loved it oh no we like the dude who came out in the rainbow feathers <laughs> who would have thought <laughs> no no it was just like considering the 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 lack of pageantry that was on the the rest of the show like outside of okada's entrance you know like you didn't that get a huge it did rule you did not get a ton of like the the normal wrestle kingdom like over the top entrances that we're used to so like that that stuff the fact that not only that that true wore that but he is apparently incorporating it into his every day uh entrance now like i'm just gonna keep seeing that and it's gonna be fucking awesome i i i, I love like you said I think when we were talking, Rachel, during the the match, we're just like, no, fashion icon, Mm -hmm. Hiromu Takahashi, (laughs) putting looks and and a new junior heavyweight champion aside. It's time to talk about what really brought everyone to the table, what brought 70,000 fans to two nights at the Tokyo Dome this year, the Double Gold Dash Tournament. Um, Intercontinental Champion Jay White going up against Tetsuya Naito and... IWGP heavyweight champion Kazuchika Okada going up against Kota Ibushi in night one, where the winners of those matches faced off to become the first ever double champion in New Japan pro wrestling history um, on night number two. So I guess we, we should, we'll start off with Jay White and Naito, because uh, I think this match is probably the most polarizing of the three in the tournament. I know that CK, you mentioned like wanting to talk about this match. So I, I I'm, I'm going to go to you first after this, but I think I've seen a lot of people that like were sort of down on this one. What, 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 what was your takeaway from it, CK? Um, I love that match from start to finish. I just really enjoyed it. I think it's just, like, that was probably, a, Okada versus Naito was amazing. And I love Okada and I love Naito, but I think, the match that I had the most fun with and I enjoyed watching the most was probably um, Naito versus Jay White. And some of that is just that, um, again, like I love characters that are extremely hateable. Like I really, I appreciate when people do a great job making me have a good time hating them, which is what Jay White is really exceptional at. But I also think that of the three... I think that was the match where it felt like people had of all the matches. I think that was the match where it felt like people had the most to prove. Um, Because I think there's just less of, I mean, of the folks of the wrestling fans that I know, so many people were behind Naito being the double champion, but I think, that was the match that had the most desperation to it, both from fans and also um, from the wrestlers in the ring, because it's just like, if, if 
Meadow's not making it through this one. It's not happening. And we need it to happen. Like, we need him to at least get to Okada. And if he can't get to Okada, then what's the point? Um, and so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I thought it was great. I had a great time. I, like, I like seeing Jay White get the shit kicked out of him. And I love seeing him get the shit kicked out of him by, like, somebody like Naito. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was another one of my top matches of the night. Like, I, lo- I, I loved it. I can't disagree with you in that um, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Jay White uh, get the shit beat out of him um, in the, in the storyline aspect. Love you, Jay. Um, but <laughs> like the, the, I would say this, it was a tale of two halves. I think for me personally with that match, um, because the last half of that match was spectacular it was the the naito that we all fell in love with a number of years ago whenever lij just started before like his body started kind of breaking down a little bit um and it was the athletic yet still completely shitty jay white that we've come to love over the past year and a half um and i think that that in the last 10 minutes they clicked really well i think it was just the the first 10 to 15 minutes of it just felt a little like not necessarily that something wasn't clicking but it just felt like it was like a, it had a bit of a dragging effect for me personally like i i was still watching i was still intrigued but it just didn't like have its hooks in me in the same way that some of the other matches in the tournament did i i don't know i don't i can't really i can't put my finger on why and that frustrates me because i need to know why i feel <laughs> things but um, I don't know. It just for some reason it didn't grab me right out of the gate, but it definitely had me by the end. Um, and I think that it was, you know, your point, CK, about like people viewing that as like night, like seeing the tension of Naito having to get through this and knowing, knowing how well Jay White has, has succeeded with you know Gato in his pocket and all the backhanded tactics that they've pulled. Like I think that tension of will Naito get through this? Will he be able to conquer this beast? Um, that that adds a different dynamic to it. I didn't really approach it that way. Um, so, yeah, like adding that into it, I can see why that would have uh, given more excitement, I think, for, for you and, and other like, predominant LIJ fans um, that are watching the match. Rachel, what, what did you think of uh, Jay White and, and Naito? Honestly, uh... Kind of can't remember it, um, <laughs> and I feel really bad because I know that it was good. And I think honestly, my um, my not it not grabbing me really had a lot to do with me and like the fact that I'd been watching you know hours of wrestling up to to that point. Like I think that that was totally nothing to do with with them at all. Um, so I feel kind of bad, but I I do appreciate what you were saying about the like the the make or break the the toto onada um but that was the second night that he had that jacket right um yeah. but still it was that it was that very obviously and i just want to say like as a quick sidebar english commentary is so good at what they do um and they did a really good job of teeing up this match and saying it's the bottom of the ninth for naito and he you know like like using the baseball metaphor because of course he had it in his pre-match video and he loves baseball and they're in the Tokyo Dome and blah blah um (laughs) but they did a really great job of just like setting up that 
teeing up that story that they ended up telling in the match, which was like Naito was just going to persist. Like he just had to win it. There was no choice for him. Um, so I I liked it. Like they're both really good at wrestling. <laughs> so I remember liking it and thinking like that was a good wrestling match. But um, I feel kind of bad because I, I kind of don't remember it. Well, totally my I, totally my brain no offense to them totally me <laughs> no i it was it was a long night i under, i understand that aspect <laughs> of it too i think we all do with with some of these shows um but i do know one match that i that you do remember because as the the resident kota obushi super fan on this show um we have to talk about ibushi okada Oh, um, did I did I mention in the past that I like Kota Ibushi? <laughs> maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and I like the last time I was on the podcast, um, you were like, "How is the double gold dash gonna play out?" Um, and I was like, "Well, my man's losing twice." And <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember that. Um, but no, I, I remember. I kind of felt really strongly that that was going to happen um and and but i still went into that match like actually i kind of went into i i feel like i'm i feel like an asshole being like i thought that was what was going to happen like i feel like an asshole dude on the internet but also um you have documentation of me feeling like that was going to happen already (laughs) um so uh yeah but so i'd kind of like uh, there, like, uh, there's lots of reasons why I think it was actually appropriate for it to happen that way, even though it did make me sad. But the match itself was like, oh, it, it was a lot. Uh, it started really slow and, um, like, kind of weirdly ponderously slow, um, it, which is good because I had time to fully process Okada's entrance. <laughs> um, but after that, it just was like, I mean, it was one of the one of the best I've ever seen. One of the best Wrestle Kingdom matches I've ever seen, um, and people were immediately comparing it to um, Ibushi's match at Wrestle Kingdom Nine versus Shinsuke Nakamura, which is on many many like best of all time lists. That's my favorite match, um, and I'm not sure that like I personally think it was on that level, but it I see why it got those comparisons. Like they just took it to this ascended plane that they are both capable of going to. And um, that was kind of what I was wondering going into the match. Like they are both capable of just like transcendent wrestling, but will they be able to do it together? Will they be able to bring it out of each other? And they, I thought they totally did. Um, And I was just completely engrossed after the, the early part of the match. Yeah, I mean, for me, this was my match of the weekend. Like this match blew me away in, you know, in a way that I haven't felt since I watched the the initial Omega Okada match at Wrestle Kingdom Eleven. Like that that match was like one of those that is seminal, I think, for for anybody that mm-hmm. watches New Japan or anybody that's that's new to New Japan um, stuff. And this was like basically the next step in that. This was, mm-hmm. in my opinion better than that match in a lot of ways um there's an i mean honestly you, you give me any match where we get serial killer 
Ibushi <laughs> just like going dead eye and just cold cocking a motherfucker. Like, I it's just crazy to me. Like, just the way that they played off of each other, the psychology of everything, the counters. Some I I, I I'm not gonna lie. I I was dead ass tired, but I jumped out of my seat the minute that I saw Okada counter the Kamagoye into a drop kick. Like I, that was just mm-hmm. ingenious to see that kind of athleticism and that kind of thought process going into the match. It was a masterclass in psychology. Um, CK, I'm curious about um, what you thought of that match. Yeah. Coincidentally, I think this is the one where I'm probably the Rachel and that it was yeah. not the one that I connected the most with um emotionally and i think a lot of that is just because i don't have any specific particularly intense feelings about kota abushi beyond that obviously he's an exceptional athlete and an incredible wrestler um and for me i was kind of like well i feel pretty confident it's going to be okada versus naito so um yeah this one i thought it was great obviously um, but it was probably like if I had to pick between the two night one matches, like Nido versus Jay White is my favorite of the two. Um, just because it just caught me a little bit more, whereas Okada versus Ibushi is like a normal match. But even in comparison to that, I think Ibushi versus Jay White on night two is also one where I'm like, yeah, I got into this a lot more. Like, the, like, of Coda's two matches, um, like an incredible match, yes, but the night two match is probably the one where emotionally I was more invested. Mm. I mean, I think that makes that makes sense in a lot of ways. Is like they're they're two vastly different matches. Like like you were saying, like one is very much rooted in like the in ring athleticism, the the psychology of countering, the psychology of like finding different ways to try and and put away somebody that whereas the jay white abushi match was just like a, a master class in heel psychology a master mm-hmm. like a way like a um perfect example of heightening the drama of a match to to borrow your term rachel um like that match like i found myself i i do still find myself sometimes like falling back into like my like old fan mentality of like bef- like of like rooting for good guy versus bad guy like it's you know the actual thing sometimes and the first time that's happened in a while was Ibushi J White because I was just like what the fuck are y'all doing to this man <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> such it's such there's no shame in that it's such a like good feeling to have when you're like come on you know like because that's oh, what yeah. it's, that's what it's made for you to do and um. I was like, <laughs> I was very like, I mean, Kota Ibushi is like maybe the only person I've ever truly loved in my entire life. But um, I was just enjoying the shit out of Jay White, stopping him at every turn and like getting increasingly desperate and increasingly like shameless. Like he started, you know, with normal, like dumb bullshit and then. Like, he got Gato involved, and then he got chairs, and then, like, you know, um, and then he and Gato both had chairs at one point, I, I believe. Um, yeah. and, and they just got it just, like, more and more over the top. 
Um, and it was like the perfect, like, this is the kind of healing you do at the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> um, like, bring it all out. Bring it. Yes. Two chairs at once. Sure. Where's the ref? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and of course, that match was well. I guess it wasn't necessarily the preamble, but for all intents and purposes, it was the preamble to our main event of the weekend, uh, the the double championship matchup between Tetsuya Naito and Kazuchika Okada. Um, which, oh, by the way, before we get to that match, I have to say, um, opinions: Okada in short tights. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> It was really weird. I really liked it on night one, and then when I watched night two, I was like, "Oh, I don't think I like it anymore. I'm uncomfortable." <laughs> I was like, "Where? I like the hot pants. Like the I'm... long boys are great, but the hot pants are like I don't know. But that's also me. I think hot pants trunk length. I had like for me, I'm like, yeah, that's good. Like that's yeah. a good cut of pant for a person in an in an athletic event. <laughs> he he is a little he's a little um like butt deficient. Okada is <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And uh, but he is n- in no way lacking in thigh. Um, and oh. so like y- you know that my opinion on Okada's thighs is yes. Um, <laughs> and that uh, but like I feel like the uh, the hot pants do do a good job of maximizing the thigh um and doing what they can with the with the butt situation um whereas the, the i loved the trunks but they but they do kind of bring out the like wow you really don't have much of a butt it's like i'm sorry <laughs> since we're talking about you know, <laughs> the thing okada does not have a the only thing well, now he also doesn't have a title belt. So. Oh, no. oh, look at you. Look at you with the burns <laughs> over here. That is very true, though, because we have a double champion, the first ever w- double champion in Tetsuya Naito, uh, defeating Okada, avenging two Wrestle Kingdom losses, mm-hmm. a, a, culminating a storyline that dates back to Wrestle Kingdom eight or was it nine i i get mixed up on numbers from time to time it was like it was, it was, i can't it was remember eight or nine. yeah it was either eight or nine six sixteen no wait way before that yeah it was, way, it was like 2014 or 13 he was 13 okay, i don't know it, one of those things it's years in the making it's things right. that we don't see in pro wrestling anymore yeah except in new japan um so like it's just crazy like to see like to see the environment after Naito won, the way that he won, the way that that the way that he won, that and the way that that played into the Wrestle Kingdom twelve match, you know, because it was like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if many people didn't like Okada winning at Wrestle Kingdom twelve, I'm like the one person on earth who thought that that was like the right decision to make um for gato um and like agreed with it and i was at that wrestle king i was the only person rooting for okada um <laughs> i feel like in the whole tokyo dome um, <laughs> but uh th- it paid off this this was the payoff of that frustration that so many people felt when naito lost at wrestle kingdom 12 when they were sure it was going to be his time um this was like the like he is completely undeniable now he has felt looked over he has felt disrespected um and those belts both represented to him you know like 
things that the ways in which he was always lesser than other people and now he has both of them and he won them in the main event of the Tokyo Dome and like there's just no there's nothing left for him to feel bad about himself um and it's it's beautiful but it, I just love that he uh that he pulled out the he pulled out the Stardust Press right before the end um and like it as if to say like this is for this is for I'm like gonna cry. Um, this is for the me that I used to be. This is for that guy. This is for the Stardust genius. Like, because you knew he probably wasn't gonna finish with it, but he did it and he landed it, and like it didn't get countered, and it, and he did it perfectly. Um, and I kind of hope that it's like the last time we see it because that was like him finally, finally putting to bed all those feelings that he had about being the Stardust genius and not being loved enough and stuff. It's so beautiful. <laughs> And it, and it, it, it culminated with Okada doing the LIJ salute, um, which was like, not only did he win the first double championship, not only did he win both of those specific belts and the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, he also got Okada's respect at the end. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Speaking over you. Well, no, no. Yeah. I think it is a very like the 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 end of that match was like so many moments that just tugged on the heartstrings in that way. Like yeah, so Kata validating Naito by throwing up the fist. Um, Naito, oh, like I I do think it'd be a very fitting end to the Stardust Press if that is the final time we see it. I I don't think he ever needs to break that out in another match. I don't know if he can. (laughs) That's the other thing. I don't know if he can either at this point. But um, no, like it was like there's an old adage, a a new old adage um, when it comes to New Japan is like trust Gato. And I think that there's no better example of that than than Naito winning those two belts on. Sunday slash Saturday, whatever. Um, because like, like you said, like Wrestle Kingdom 12, I was one of those people that thought like, well, that was the wrong decision to make. I thought that Naito losing that match was a huge mistake. Cause I thought that that was like the end of them trying to, like, that was Naito's height. Um, obviously I was wrong because like that just played into another two years of storytelling that culminated in a moment that was so much more than what Naito winning the belt two years ago would have meant. Um, I mean, you kind of you kind of weren't wrong because that's exactly how you were supposed to feel. Was like he got he he couldn't do it. It's so frustrating, you know. At least I think so. Like mm. you, I don't. Maybe it's maybe that's too meta. <laughs> I don't wrestling is meta. There's nothing too meta when it comes to this stuff. You know, it's all about eliciting a reaction from the fans. And this is us having these conversations between the three of us right now. Like that's what this medium is meant to do. So I think that like any conversation, no matter what level of like, you know, of acknowledgement that it brings, like it's, it's what it's meant to do. So it's completely healthy and nothing should be off the table in that way. Yeah. I'm curious though, CK, what were, what were your thoughts? Like after seeing the, the tension of that, of Naito getting past Jay White and getting into the match against Okada, like what were your feelings 
um, watching that match and come and seeing the the culmination. Uh, it was so difficult um, as somebody who is like I love Okada. I think out of almost the entire New Japan roster, if I had to say like this is my favorite wrestler. Um, it's probably Okada. I don't totally understand why. There's just something like really charismatic and exciting about him to see him in the ring and the way that he carries himself and just like the character and the person that he is is just really exciting to me. And so going into this match after the Jay White Nido match, um, I think I decided in my heart that I had to be good <laughs> with. The idea that Okada probably wasn't going to win. Um, and, you know, it's like simultaneously really disappointing and really exciting to see Naito be the first ever double champion. To see Naito, like, not only win, but win as big as anybody has ever been able to win at this point in New Japan, I guess. Um, and, yeah, like, it was amazing. It was... Just like ah, it had that same, it had that same energy kind of um, as the night one match for Naito, but like to go into that and have that turned from like I can't like if I can't do this I can't do anything into like I can do this I'm halfway there <laughs> like I don't know it's I, it's just. I've got a lot of friends. I'm probably more the chaos out of any of the factions in New Japan, but like most of my friends are all about LIJ and they're all about Nido, and they were so excited, and that got me really interested in the match. But there was something about like all of Nido's journey in the double gold dash that made me finally like fully understand what it is about him specifically that has made so many people so passionate about him and so excited to see him kind of send in that way in the Tokyo Dome. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm still a little heartbroken about Okada and that's fine. Um, but the match was amazing. It was just fantastic. That was really well said. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I could have said it better. <laughs> nah. So, yes, we come out of the weekend with a new double champion in Tetsuya Naito. But, of course, we can't let have him have his moment in the sun <laughs> because Mr. Thick Thighs himself, Kenta. Jesus. God. I, I, for the record, I love Kenta. I, I love that he has somehow become more hated than Jay White. Company. Yeah, this is a fucking task. Um, I think like, part of that might be like real life. I'm history. sure part of it is. <laughs> um, whereas it's probably not for for Jay White. I, I think you but never he, know. He is. He, I've never heard people in New Japan boo as much as they boo Kenta. No, and to be fair, like him coming out and interrupting Naito's like coronation, I think just made it that much more loud you know yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah he like interrupts him during the lij chant it's and, like and the s- perfect it's so 
perfectly horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't get to finish the day hop on. <laughs> How could you even make it worse than that? Uh, so we have our first challenger set up in Kenta, um, which is odd considering that he lost the never open weight title to Hiroki Goto earlier in the night. But you know what? Kenta and Naito, I think, will be a perfectly fine match in Osaka. <laughs> coming up in february it'll be another great like wonderful piece of of naito's journey too and like naito also like kind of lampshaded that he was like oh so just anyone can like come and challenge now like just any old dude can like lose the fucking never open weight title like there's jay white and okada and ibushi but okay whatever um but like to have him win his first title defense in osaka against like maybe the most hated person in the company is gonna be just like another i think i mean hopefully he's gonna win that title defense um but i I think just is like another beautiful part of his of his story of his victory and coming into his own and stuff i hope he wins (laughs) it's gonna be a great match and like as far as kenta just like inviting himself in What's more bullet club than not being able to mind your own business? Yeah. <laughs> so fucking right. Why not? You know? Um so I'm excited to see where that goes as well. I mean Yeah, Chase if... Owens, mind your own business. <laughs> um I'm assuming that it goes really well for Nido, which makes me really curious to see how Kenta takes that in the future. So whatever happens. Um, it'll be really interesting. I completely agree, and I eagerly await for that match to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But for tonight, I have to say I thank you both for, for coming on and and uh, just talking unapologetically about fourteen. Like this, the show was outstanding, and I think uh, all of this. All this conversation around it has been awesome, and I only hope that we that Wrestle Kingdom 15 um, lives up in some way to the to what this weekend held for us. Um, but for now, um, uh, I will say, uh, Rachel CK, thank you once again for for coming on the show. Let everyone know uh, where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, uh, again, I'm CK Stewart. Uh, and you can find me at CKFabe, C-K-A-Y-F-A-B-E on Twitter. And joke that doesn't really get appreciated because nobody ever That's so that clever. Well. It's very clever. Um, <laughs> thank you. I like I'm it. Always really, I'm always really proud of that, but nobody ever understands it until I have to spell it for them. Um, and yeah, I write about comics, wrestling, and wrestling comics at times at several places and talk about it all the time online. I'm very poor at having a web presence or, uh, but my Twitter is uh, at E-F-F-I-N-G-B-O-R-I-N-G, effing boring. Um, And sometimes I write stuff and and sometimes I hate the internet. So um, I don't have anything to like plug or anything. Oh, no, you're good. I I think plugging hating the internet's a pretty good one. I think we all hate the internet at some point in our yeah, life. Oh, fuck or, the internet. <laughs> you know what? That's a perp- we'll leave it there. Fuck the internet. <laughs> Thank y'all for coming on <laughs> the show.
thank you so much for for having me this is a lot of fun yeah thank you i really appreciate it i love how wrestling can just bring people together even whenever the viewpoints are not shared and and opinions on matches are differing and there's still this common thread of just uh, uniting all of us around something that we love to watch um that and the sentiment of fuck the internet so <laughs> no i my my thanks once again to uh, Rachel Giuliani and CK Stewart for stopping by the show to talk about um an endless weekend of pro wrestling um yeah, no, it was, it was rad. Follow them everywhere. You know, for Rachel, it's uh, at effing boring on Twitter. For CK, it's uh, CK at CK Fabe on Twitter. Follow them, and we'll just keep finding the raddest people to bring on here and talk about this thing that we all seem to love, even whenever it irks us at times. <laughs> But uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. Um, but, of course, like always, we cannot get out of here without offering up some thank yous to people that make this show possible. Of course, the Progress Pride Flag design that we use in our logo, that is a design by Daniel Quasar, um, and that is a product of Progress Initiative. Find out more at quasar.digital. And, of course, a big shout-out to Sarah in the safe word for our show's theme, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand. You can check out their music on Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. Um, and, of course, if you're into video games, I do host a video game news podcast every Monday called the Mr. Video Game Super Show alongside two awesome Twitch streamers, Psyker Kite and Lady Merowith. That goes live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Um, and I guess with all the plugs out of the way, one last one for the Sports Radio Network. Uh, every show on here is killing it. Um, yeah, download everything, listen to everything. We are all doing awesome stuff. Transporter Room, Five Rings to Rule the Ball, same team, you know, level playing field. Every show, um, is knocking it out of the park so far. Um, yeah. But that'll do it. From us here at LGBT in the Ring, all of you lovelies have an awesome rest of the week. Stay messy. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, Life. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the